White Rocket Entertainment. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 423. Hello and welcome to the White Rocket Podcast, brought to you by White Rocket Entertainment in association with all of our great supporters via Patreon.com. I'm Van Allen Plexico, and this is another of our episodes with a panel from DragonCon 2019. The military sci-fi track is such a great, relatively new track at DragonCon, and it includes properties such as Babylon 5, Stargate, Battlestar Galactica, Farscape, Firefly, and of course, now Space 1999. And so we were able to do a panel just on Space 1999, looking at the show itself, kind of an overview of the series here. And I'm joined by James Palmer, my friend and occasional guest on this podcast, as well as a couple of other gentlemen who have various knowledge and backgrounds with the show who will be introducing themselves in just a moment. So without further ado, let's get into the Dragon Con panel of 2019 on the 20th anniversary of Breakaway on the show, Space 1999. I am Brian Dew from British Invaders, the podcast all about British science fiction television where for the past 12 years we've covered well over 100 British shows, including Space 1999 and lots of other uh, Jerry Anderson productions. We'll get into that a bit more, I hope. Uh, and possibly important, I am Canadian. <laughs> I'm Ryan Carey, I'm uh, with the Brick Track, and um, it's a second year on staff. And um, well, pretty much everything sci-fi, British, American, you name it. Uh, I'm James Palmer. I'm a, a, a writer of uh, science fiction and uh, pulp adventure. I've got a, a space opera series and a bunch of other cool stuff. And I've just always been a Space 1999 fan since I was a since I was a kid watching the reruns because I didn't catch it in its original run. I'm Van Allen Plexico. Uh, I write various science fiction novels, including maybe you've heard of it, the Alpha Omega book. <laughs> it seems like you've just heard of it. And the, uh, the big giant shattering saga that won the pulp novel of the year a couple years ago. And I've been a fan of Space 1999 since it originally aired in the mid-70s. And we used to get Star Trek and Space 1999 back-to-back -back wow. on our local TV. And I was watching them both for the first time, and I was thinking, well, this Star Trek show is really, really cool, but Space 1999 is way better <laughs> because it seemed more realistic. It looked like NASA could build that stuff yeah. now. Yes. It wasn't fantasy like the Enterprise, which is cool, but wasn't going to happen anytime soon, obviously, right? And so it, it seemed to me always like a, like a viable realistic vision of the near future, and that's what I loved about it. That and, that and the fact that they, they traveled the universe on a spaceship they couldn't steer or put on the brakes, yeah. confronting the latest British actor every week. Yeah. And zippers. Don't forget zippers. And yeah. Oh, right. yeah. World's largest zippers. Oh, huge zippers. Big. All right. So let's talk yeah, about that, it. The, yeah, there was a lot of inspiration from the Apollo program there. Mm. And the idea, you know, the original challenge from Kennedy was 
to uh, um, to the moon by the end of the decade and a permanent presence by the end of the century. Yeah. So part of it was, what would that permanent pre presence on the moon look like? And how could we got, send it hurtling across the universe? Were, yeah. <laughs> so how about uh, should I start putting things in context with Jerry Anderson? Of that? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So you may or may not know Jerry Anderson was a writer, producer, show creator uh, who was known in the 1960s for the Super Marionation shows. And these were marionette puppet shows. Uh, they had about six or eight different shows, uh, starting with a, a Western really early called Four Feather Falls. There was Thunderbirds was very popular. Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons uh, was very popular. These were uh, marionette shows with miniatures for effects and explosions and things. And they had solenoids in them so they could move the, the mouths of them to the dialogue. That was the super part. And this was something he was well known for but wanted to get into live action. Uh, by the end of the 60s, uh, he finally gets his first live action show and it's called UFO. And uh, that was uh, a, an interesting show, kind of cool, did uh, reasonably well, but only got the one season. And it had a whole scenario about Earth being attacked by these UFOs. One of the elements was they had a moon base. And it turned out the episodes that were on the moon base were much more popular. So. Jerry Anderson and his team, uh, his wife Sylvia Anderson was still involved as a producer and very important to this stuff. Uh, they, they were told, okay, do something with that moon base idea. And instead of, you know, they couldn't do a second season, it turned into Space 1999. And there were, a lot of the idea was they wanted to do something for the American market, yes. and so they wanted to get American actors, and yeah. they, they looked at Mission Impossible and said we could get Martin Landau and Barbara Bain, they're already married, yeah. they could get them as a package deal, it'll appeal to American audiences. It's funny because in season two they wanted to appeal to Italian audiences, so they well, put, yeah. put yeah. Tony Verdeschi yeah. on there. <laughs> um, they kept trying to like you know pander to whichever audience was watching the show. Italy loved the show, yeah. Cosmos 1999. Yeah, there was an Italian co-production deal, mm -hmm. right. and there were weird limits on uh, on um, for union things on how many actors from any one country they could have. So except Britain, Bar apparently. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Barbara Bain and um, Martin Landau basically maxed them out for American actors. Yes. So they couldn't have American actors on it, other than them pretty much throughout the series. Uh, Shane Rimmer shows up, he's Canadian. Uh, so, and yeah, because of the co-production deal, after British actors, I think the majority would, you know, the biggest group was the Italian mm -hmm. uh, group they had. There were more than just, uh, and, and I don't think that Tony was even Italian, but he yeah. seemed Italian somehow, yeah. and he was playing yeah. a Verdeschi, but, but they had Italian actors pop up in other roles on there, and like as, as alpha personnel and yeah, aliens that, and stuff. Yeah. That was related to a co-production. Right, yeah. Yeah, and, and um, I guess the other thing to stay up front about it is that the first season, which is, is what I call 2001 A Space Odyssey, the series, Yeah. 
yeah. because the first season is all about the grandeur and wonder and terror of the yeah. unknown. And so they spend a lot of time looking out the windows of the base and going, something out there, doo, 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 right? And in the second season, they bring in Fred Freeberger, the Star yeah. Trek producer, and it's all about shoot the alien, yeah. shoot the monster. Yeah, and you, some people like that. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, yeah, they they almost lost the series after season one. Yeah. And it was Freeburger coming in. And, you know, he was uh, by then already reputed for what he did with season three of original Star Trek. Um, issues there, too. Yeah. Um, so he came in, they mixed it up uh, quite a bit, and it became uh, that, you know, yeah, more action oriented and. Jackets. Yeah, yes. yeah. Maya. Maya is definitely the. I think Tony and Maya. If, yeah. if you could kept everything else about season one and added Tony and Maya, yeah. that would have been, that would have been great. fine. Yeah. I hate losing Victor, though, because Victor's yeah. so cool. Yeah. I like Victor. Yeah, he's that elder statesman kind yeah. of. That they Victor lost. Without him, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. They, they really kind of needed that elder. Yes. Yeah. They, 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 there's, and, there's that Voyager episode that really – Victor and, and, and Koenig had that really nice moment, you know, drinking – you know, wine, you know, whiskey or whatever, waiting for the end to happen, and uh, you, you kind of need that black sun. Yeah, yeah the black, the black yeah. sun. Yeah, uh-huh. um, you kind of need that um, that kind of character in there, and he's sure. just gone from season two. Yeah, he gave us interesting perspective, and that was not what they were going for. You know, mm-hmm. that sort of uh, pause and think about things that he brought very well. You know, was not John. where they were going with that. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, Maya was a strange one. She worked well at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought she worked better in human form than she did when she was shape-shifting into something else. She was kind of their Mr. Spock in a way, which... She becomes know, that. Yeah, yeah, but then when they do the dumb manimal stuff... No offense, Joe Crow. When they do the kind of dumb manimal stuff, it gets a little... it gets a little Because she's, she's either like an earth animal that she never would have yeah. seen... Yeah. Or something some you big would, giant you monster. you find yeah. in a zoo in London. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, uh, and meanwhile, Paul is over here going, I wasn't in season two, what about me? Don't y'all miss me? Well, yeah, Paul, we kind of miss you a little bit, but... Um, but not as much as Victor, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. At, at least, at least uh, they kind of replaced Paul with Tony. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Victor never got a replacement, really. Right. <clears throat> Paul never really got to do much either. Paul Morrow was the. He was. He was like, what role? What, I mean, what did he do? He just kind of sat there and and issued reports of what's going on on the monitor and. He got to fly the ship sometimes. He, he, he fought the could, eagles. He could remote control fly them. Yeah. That was kind of cool. But I never really understood what his role was beyond that. It's actually second in command. You wouldn't have yeah. known that necessarily, yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they replace him with a security person, <laughs> yeah. which is a little odd, but it just yeah. fits with what they were doing with the show at that And point. they never explain where all these people go. It's not like they can transfer out yeah. and go yeah. back to Earth. Yeah. They're just gone. They don't kill them off. They're just gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, Commissioner Simmons transferred back to Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The whole trip went like this, and then it stopped yeah. at some point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we get the, uh, the impression, I think, that there's a lot of people there we don't see. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. a pretty yeah. big, well-populated uh, base. So, yeah, the people that suddenly came in in season two or that disappeared after season one, they're around there somewhere. We just don't see them. Yeah. I, did, I did read somewhere that apparently uh, 
Victor died. Yes. But that was they did deleted the that dialogue or that mm. scene. Where yeah, they but it. they didn't actually film it. But there was a plan for him to uh, to die in a decompression act. Something, something like something that. Like, yeah. Uh, I think that's been done in the comics. Maybe so. Um, well, the, the thing, it's, it's an artifact of how television was in the 70s. We've all gotten so spoiled by shows being so serial now, you yeah. know? Yeah. Today, we demand everything to be explained, everything yeah. to be seamless. And, man, it was, it was a challenge watching these great shows back in the 70s and 80s before Babylon 5 and, and yeah. shows like that because they felt no obligation to the audience whatsoever to explain anything or to have any continuity it was a completely reset yeah. episodic uh, thing yeah. every episode and well on top of it's hard now on top of that with an ITV show which yeah. it was in the UK yeah. yeah they had no guarantee about the order it would be shown in mm. each region and even yeah. syndicated in the US they didn't know what order it would be so they couldn't apart from the first episode and a few odds and ends, they didn't really have control over that. So they couldn't really build a developing thing that would have been nice in those first few episodes. It just wasn't an option. Imagine trying to watch Babylon 5 that way. Yeah. Like oh, season yeah. three, episode four, season yeah. five, episode 12, you know? <laughs> There's just no like, way, right. yeah. yeah. Even but in I reruns, it wouldn't work. No. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We have done that, haven't we? You're right. Well, a lot of us watched original Star Trek that way. I certainly did. And, you know, I didn't. There were differences between the seasons I learned about, you know, years later. Well, that stuff was always uh, aired out of order. But we could back then because every show was kind of a pain in. You didn't have, like, like arcs and right, right. You couldn't. Yeah. Every show stood on its end. Hit the reset button. Yeah, nowadays you have everything yeah. arc and yeah. if it's played out of order, you're totally yeah. screwed yeah. up. There's there's a chicken and egg thing there. Yeah. Because you know they were really they had to keep them uh, so you could mix it up because places yes. were going to mix them up. Yes. Uh, it was sometimes a little different with BBC shows. Uh, especially by the mid-70s, yeah. where they could have uh, an ongoing storyline like to, to it, and some of them did. Uh, you, cer- you certainly had that uh, with Survivors in 1975 on the yeah. BBC. Yeah. Well, an- another issue that they faced was that when it was, and I don't know if they were making this partly for the American market, you'd think they'd take this into account, but at least when I watched it in Birmingham, on Birmingham television growing up in Alabama, the... Um, they would cut out like four or five minutes yeah. from every episode to make it fit into the commercial structure. Was that original broadcast or was it later? Original I don't broadcast. I think okay. it was at Houston too. Yeah, yeah. mid 70s, 74, mid 75, 76, yeah. so it would have been the first, yeah. Usually took another five or so minutes out of, out of the show. And sometimes some some stations would take them out in strategic places but some just lopped off the end oh, mm-hmm. so it was years before i saw the end of war games i, I saw war games and everybody's dead and i tune in the next episode and they're all fine again i'm like whoa we're taking we're taking we're taking a seri- um episodic to new levels here this is and, turning and, into the and, simpsons and didn't they combine breakaway and something else and made a movie yeah a tv they movie did a couple of those yeah yeah, yeah. Did, there were two or three sort of movie editions where they'd take 
two episodes, yeah. stitch them together, and I think that was that probably way. my first introduction okay. to Space Nineteen Nineteen Ninety Nine. Was one of those things. It was Breakaway and something else, and they made like a like a two hour movie. Uh, and it came on, uh, well, here in the Atlanta market, it was a super station. It was Ted Turner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, TV yeah, Channel 17. Yeah. Spent many a Saturday afternoon watching all that well, that craziness from back in the day. Big Finish Audio, I yes. saw, has just now done a new yeah. production of Breakaway. I haven't heard it yet. Um, well, is it, it, it hasn't out? been released yet. Because right. my question is, do they, are, they, do they, are they reworking it, or are they just basically doing a re, okay, redoing I, the exact I same can, thing? Uh, they are doing a reimagining. Okay. So this will be a full cast audio drama of Space 1999. If you're not familiar with Big Finish Productions, they do very good work on audio. Uh, much of it Doctor Who, but they do a lot of other things. Uh, and this will be done in a similar style to what they've been doing with The Prisoner, where it's a reimagined version that will be similar in most ways, but deliberately a little different in some ways. Some of the episodes will be completely new, and some will be reimagined versions that's good. That's of broadcast cool. episodes that, that we've out. seen before. So the first one that's coming out is a three CD version of Breakaway. New production. It's going to be different. It'll do things in uh, a different way that will be a little updated, will be a little different, completely new cast. Uh, And that is available for pre-order right now. Uh, And the release date is September 13th, 2019. (laughs) Very good. 20th anniversary of the the moon breaking out of Earth. Isn't it funny how that just Um, worked out that way? There's no way they planned that. They, they have Mark Bonner starring as, uh, as Commander Koenig, which I have trouble fitting that in. Uh, Mark Bonner is a Scottish actor. Uh, he's, he's very good. Um, and I've seen them do so much that has very good casting that uh, I'm... I'm convinced it'll work well because it's them doing it and because I know a number of people who are involved. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be different. It's going to be a sort of Good. twist to the left, Good. new take mm-hmm. on it. Well, are they going to modernize the music? Oh, uh, no, it is please. a new. Oh, it is no, a no. new arrangement of the original Barry Gray theme tune. All right, that works. Well, the reason... Uh, and, and the guy who's doing the new arrangement is someone who loves old 70s stuff and like the, has his like cool. 70s retro rock band so he's it, he set fun. up to you know they've chosen good people to do it uh, Jamie Anderson the son of Jerry Anderson is script editing oh wow so, I was just going to say I wonder I'm I wonder how they got the license it's, it's notoriously difficult to get yeah. licensing for Space 1999 I don't know how it worked out. Uh, the Anderson family certainly does not have all the licensing for all the shows at this point. Right. I don't know if they have parts I, of a... The Lou Grade crowd, I think, have some, maybe. That would make sense. Andrew Gaska has told the story here before right. with me of how <laughs> he went and got the license to do the graphic novels. 
and it's insane. He was having to fly over to London multiple yeah. times, and every time they get the deal set, the the people would be like, "No, no, we don't want to do this after all." He's yeah. like, "What have I got to do now?" And he had to come jump through all the hoops. But the reason I brought up the audio in the first place was Breakaway has issues, and yes. it's it's one of those things where, for me. The basic ideas behind Breakaway are brilliant, and I've spent the vast majority of my life defending those ideas yeah. to people that want to make fun of it and say, I hit a moon and a nuclear explosion, and it couldn't do that. I'm like, okay, so you go get on your magic starship and fly at warp yeah. speed. Yeah. I'll be on the spaceship that actually exists right now, okay, that people have been on. But anyway, my bitterness aside, um, the, the problems I have with Breakaway is that it, it so obviously tries to be 2001 A Space Odyssey, yeah. but with more action, which would be any. And, um, <laughs> you know, they do the whole thing with the virus outbreak, just like they were worried about was on the moon base on 2001. Uh, there's even a Russian commander leaving. Yeah. There was the Russians on, on, the, on, the, on the base on 2001. Uh, there's, and it's got the strange cosmic minute uh, unknown thing there's so much about it that's similar but they do the whole thing with the meta probe and they just lose me with that because yeah. it, it a lot of it just doesn't seem logical and doesn't hold together for me so that's why i'm hoping if they redo it they'll redo the script a little bit and, and, and just kind of update it to today's standards because oh, you could you could do a yeah, script it, back then it will, and, it will be very yeah. much so yeah and that'd the, be great the people who are involved um it's uh, nick briggs Ryden, and he he loves some of this stuff and will tell you all about all the problems he has with it too. Uh, now the original Breakaway was sort of a mess of a story where it was originally going to be a two-hour, uh, you know, a two-hour piece. And when it was completed, when the director's cut was completed, apparently it was just unwatchable. It was a mess, and they had to come back and do a re-edit, they filmed stuff, they did some additional filming for, uh, while they were already doing, you know, episode two or three or something, and had to completely reconstruct it, and came up with something that works. Uh, but, yeah, some of the uh, the issues with it are that history of it sort of yeah. being messed up a little along the way it's oh, i mean it's just <laughs> with all the shows of that era the scripts always seem to be the weak point you know the yeah. the effects would be great and brian johnson you know and the in all those shows the effects were great the cast would be really good it's just the same problem that battlestar galactica in the 70s yeah. had was that they you know the weak spot is the scripts and it yeah. was just the state of how it was in television back then should should we take some questions yeah let's do it does any, anyone have questions about space 1999 or things you want to hear us talk about no, they don't. So. Not all the ones. <laughs> I remember. I remember the show being really awesome as a kid, growing up watching it. You remember the correctly. The episode I remember is the one where there's like some monster in a hallway. That yes. People <laughs> in. Oh. oh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Dragon's domain. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. You're not. You're not the only one who has strong memories of that. Scariest one. A bit of a thing yeah. on TV back then. Yeah, that should have been on the Night Stalker or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was, uh, and that was Helena's husband, right? Wasn't he the astronaut that ends up going back or something? He's the one that had gotten lost and they found him. And yeah, yeah, that's right. That yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, Dragon's Domain. The ship graveyard, the Sargasso. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. well, he had the big probe and it had like the eagle as the, the nose on it. They had the interchangeable yeah. parts. You could do that with your toy. Everybody had the toy yeah. eagles. Yeah. Yeah. So there was I had, I had three of the big plastic ones like this. 
because if you have an eagle, you got to have more than one because the whole point of them is that they have a bunch, right? Yeah. I had the little corgi one that was metal, and there was the little silver ones that you could roll. They had wheels, and you could pull right. them back and they'd roll. And now there's the uh, the Konami <laughs> ones that are about that big but look so good. <clears throat> and now, uh, what is it, Round 2 Productions has just yeah, put out the – I've got 20, – I got that sucker. I built it. I put the red livery on it of the medical, yeah, so you know, the rescue. You buy all the, all the aftermarket. Nah, I didn't get the, alu- the you have to, aluminum. Engine, you have to. The actual model of that big, long 22 inch round two eagle <laughs> cost me about $100. Wow. If I'd wanted to get the aluminum rocket bells for it, that's like $150. i am like, yeah. I'll just paint the plastic yeah. silver. Yeah. 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 Fine. I, I, bought, I bought silver paint for mine. I mean, this it's fine. You're, you're good yeah. to go. They also put the Hawk out last year, too. So you can get, oh, wow. you can, it's a little smaller. The Hawk's about this big, but it's a beautiful reproduction of it. So I've got on my bookcase, I've got the Eagle sitting there, and i got the Hawk. And the Hawk looks like it's off the distance because it's like half the size. But it's uh, those are beautiful models. They totally re- redid yeah. them from how they back, were back in the day. Wow. What, before, before the massive uh, phenomenon of the Star Wars merchandising, mm-hmm. and tons and tons of Star Wars toys, before that, there was something similar on a somewhat smaller scale for the Jerry Anderson shows. And Space 1999 was a big part of that. And you know there were lots of you know, eagle toys and uh, so action figures and all sorts of things back in the 70s. The what? what? The red squirt gun. Yeah, there was a squirt gun. I never had that. What? it was red. Oh, yeah. My, my my big regret is coming to it late. I came to it too late to get the Eagle right. toys. They were not in the stores six or seven years later yeah. when I saw it, and they were so freaking cool. Oh, man, yeah. Um, that's probably my favorite uh, TV spaceship. It is. It's, it's, my, it's, it's absolutely my number one. Yeah. My number one. The only thing comes close is the white star for me on Babylon 5 um, because, like I said, it looks real. It looks like yeah. something they could actually build. Yeah. It was and it, and they used them like bell helicopters or something. Yeah, you know? really. Yeah. And they'd blow up three an episode. Man, yeah, we'll make more. It's fine. Well, is that the reason that Alan Carter still had the job? Still had a breed? <laughs> 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 Probably. Yeah. That that and the fact that the fans wrote in and said, "Don't you dare <clears throat> remove him in season two. He wasn't supposed to be in season two. No, oh, interesting. He was um he was supposed to go and uh, the the only the only. There's like all this action going on behind this. It's incredible. It's posters falling. Yeah, the only characters they're supposed to hold over from season one were, were just uh, John and Helena. And they there was a big fan uprising to keep Alan because he was the most popular character from season one. Oh, I'm glad they kept him. And yeah. they they kept Sandra, but they renamed her, didn't they? San or something? And then they yeah, added... They were calling her Sandra instead of Sandra. It was, yeah. it was, it was They were calling her that in season one. Yeah. And then... I think it's the accent, though. I don't know. They, yeah. they added Yasko as well as... You had the Japanese lady, Yasko. And then the, she was the only one that carried on to the unofficial ending. Yeah. They yes. Shot, you know, at a, I, I can't even remember which convention years later. The 1999 convention. Yeah. No, yeah, it was the one in Los Angeles in 1999, which I yeah. would have killed to go to. But uncanny canon ending, essentially. Yeah. It, it was written by the, the late Johnny Byrne, who was script editor for much of the 1999. Yeah. Uh, and there was also um, uh, um, like a later Victor Bergman scene that was filmed as an unofficial thing uh, later on too. Is that something I can find on YouTube? Oh, I think so. Probably. And it's on the blue. It's on the discs. I we, think that's right. Yeah. It's on the. There's like a 
when you get the complete series box set, there's like 11 discs, 11 cases, and then the 12th one is special features, and it's on there. There's been more than one release, but certainly some of them. Yeah, it just came out really recently. Uh, I, on se- is it separate season one and season two? I don't know. Yeah, but I, there was a funny line when the, when they announced <laughs> that it was coming out on Blu-ray. Somebody said, "Oh, the resolution's going to be so great now that you'll actually be able to see the wires that hold up Mark yeah. Landau and Barbara Bain." <laughs> <laughs> That's Maine. It is, That's but it's true. Yeah. It's yeah. Fair, but it's, yeah. The wires that hold Barbara Bain's face. Yeah. <laughs> it moved. Yeah. There's that. Well, there's that scene. You know, when when season two, eight year old me still loves season two. When it's coming on, there's all that action, and you see John Canning, and he's coming out, and he shoots the laser, and then it shows Barbara Bain, and all she does is walk down a hallway. But it's an action walk. Yeah. She's on her way to file a report. Yeah. But I love the music in season two. Yeah. Well, we'll just the, have the, to disagree. And the about theme that. song, yeah. you know. Space nineteen ninety nine. You know that 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 was a change of composer. Yeah, you think? Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Barry Gray uh, did the uh, the first season, and he did a uh, ton of work with Jerry Anderson up until that point. After see after season mm-hmm. one of Space nineteen ninety nine, I think Barry Gray never worked with Jerry Anderson again, <laughs> yeah. and, and had for like uh, since the the six, you know early sixties had for uh, a long time. They had a big partnership there, mm-hmm. uh, and then that ended. Then I can't remember who it was. Someone else picked it up for season two. Yeah, it's it's but it's more of a rock and roll type thing yeah. than a yeah. than a classical. But but that ref. Re- that reflected the nature of the show, though. That was appropriate. It, the the first season, the first season yeah. intro and music would not have fit with what they did with season two. So that, no. and all, but the thing that I hated that, 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 the most that they changed about that was they they got rid of the cold open. The cold open of season one is one of the best things about the show, right? Yeah, because yeah, it definitely. you know you get the situation building up and then you slowly hear. And you get that yeah. very gray intro. Yeah. So great. Yeah. And with season two, they have the they have the credits, and then it would just start. Yeah. And, and it, it will oh. show scenes from that episode. It'll say flash up this episode. Well, that's yeah. season one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what which, I mean. Which Battlestar Galactica copied intentionally yeah. Yeah. for the new Galactica? Yeah. They just didn't say this episode, this episode, but they did the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. Yeah. So. What um, I wanted to—I was curious about this. I want to see what what are folks' favorite episodes. I want to see which ones are from season one, which ones from season two, and what is you like about them. So tell us, tell us some episodes. Like he did, you name one that really jumps out that you you think back. Yeah, right here. Where they went to the pl- uh, planet uh, plants. plants Rules of Luton, yeah. season yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. They, it's it's everything's fun and games until somebody breaks a twig, yeah. <laughs> and then you have violated the rules of Luton. The latest British actor says, and yeah, that's the one where Maya's in a cage as a bird, and she's gonna die. And I'm thinking, can't she just pop out of the cage if she turns into a human? Yeah, yeah. Turn into something else. I don't think there was ever a time limit. Yeah, I guess. But that that was that was one of the better I thought season two. I mean, I guess season two, Bringers of Wonder. Yeah. 
Raiders. I think that was the high point, the two-parter. That's yeah. the one I most remember from a kid. Those we and then Maya had to turn into one of those weird the sea monster, those dudes. pile of crap yeah. creatures and Sigma Sigma. Yeah, yeah. I like the Christopher Lee one because yeah, yeah. Earthbound. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's another one that should have been yeah. that should have either been the second episode, yeah. and resolved the Simmons yeah. arc, right? Yeah. yeah. Or we should have seen a little bit of him between yeah. the two. Yeah, to make us remember why we want this to happen to him. You yeah, know? I, I think it was supposed to be second. But yeah, yeah, with all sense. the things juggling around. Uh, in the original director's cut, which no longer exists, that isn't uh, available anywhere, but we know what was in us. Simmons dies in that. Mm. He was going to die in Breakaway. Um, so if you're looking at, you know, um, one of the book versions or something like that uh, that use the original uh, the that's original the, script yeah that's the same thing that Battlestar Galactic did with Baltar the original yeah that, he exactly. would die in yeah, the pilot exactly. and they brought him back because John yeah. Calicos is awesome so they said we got to bring him back absolutely All right, one, for, one for me yeah, yeah. yeah. Death's Other Dominion and Metamorph what are we talking about what's in common Oh, Brian Blessed. Brian Blessed. Of yeah. course, yeah. I think you meant Brian Blessed. Brian Blessed. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not British also enough to say his name. Yes, yeah. Other Dominion is the one where uh, they, they go down to Ultima Thule, the frozen ice planet, yeah. and there's those humans that have been living there, and nobody can figure out how they're still alive, and you get Brian Blessed going around covering up the, the conspiracy, and the one guy that's the fool. It's very Shakespearean. you got the one guy yeah. that's the fool or whatever running around. Jack? Mm-hmm. What are you, Jack or something yeah. running around? Tell, revealing little clues here and there. You need to get out of here. You're all going to die or whatever. And it's got that great moment where they fly back to Alpha and the guy's holding Helena's hand and they get out of the influence of Ultima Thule and it's like a sizzling skeleton hand. They would do some scary ass stuff yeah, on that show. Yeah. That was great. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. And he came back as Maya's dad in the Metamorph. That's really that's, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Okay. What else? What other ones while we're talking about this? Jump out. Memorable. I liked, well, I liked Black Sun, even though yeah. I, yeah. I I hated that they didn't say Black Hole, which is what they really meant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's that, a good one. That was one of the, the few times that you get you get a sense that it's not just a dozen people in main mission. That there's yeah. a bigger space. You got the guy playing guitar. Yeah. You got that nice moment between John and Victor. Um, they it talk was, about the nature of God and the universe and everything. Yeah. And there's that no enemy. As well. That may yeah. be mine as well. Yeah. There's no really enemy. Well there's, yeah. No, yeah. there's no foe, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's a really unusual... It's man unusual, against nature. Yeah, yeah exactly. it is. It's and a really do, unusual yeah. show where they don't have to fight somebody. They, yeah, they're just trying to survive. Yeah, it's situational. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the threat is there, but it's situational. Yeah, and it's uh, another and, 2001 episode, too. Yeah. Right. And, and the thinking of the time frame it came out... The term black hole was not quite as big in pop culture as it would become just a few years later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just to not have to explain it Mm and say, you know, well, it's it's this and it's this. It's a little uh, a little easier for them to uh, build it up and have something they can talk about. Yeah, when, but it's a uh, star and not say, like Victor dug they, a hole out in the moon and there there's a hole, right? Well, yeah. yeah. Hey, just said Victor dug well, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Victor-splaining. Yeah, that's right. I, I love that they, they, they did create the force field. 
And they, they do basically everything you can possibly do knowing it's not going to work. Right. And yeah. they have no reason they should survive. This is this may be the first episode where we get the muff, right? The mysterious unknown force that keeps them alive. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And and they're like, we have no way to explain why we're still alive other than that something, some higher power yeah. wants us to go out into the universe like Stargate Universe and <laughs> go out and populate the far reaches of the of the galaxy. Yeah, so that's a good one. That is a good one. What else? Are there? We talk about the, the, the foes. One of the more interesting ones then would probably be like Brian Brain. Yeah. Because while he was the direct foe, there was actually other happening off the ship and anything, and uh, he was just kind of like the front end of it. That was like a season two version of um, what was the season one one where you had the big giant Cineot spaceship that wanted to kidnap them? Right. Was that Space Brain? No, no. that was the giant amoeba. Yeah. No, no, no. It, I, that's that's the one with Joan Collins. I'm talking about there was one where this big machine with rolling arms on the side, and it maybe had Brian oh. Blessed's voice. Yeah. And it came down, and it it wanted a companion. Because its old companion was dying, kind of like Epsilon Three on Babylon Five, yeah. Yeah. and um, and it was um, it, it, it took the it took the three main characters on board, and um, they somehow they swapped out the fuel rods or something to, right. to deactivate it. But it yeah. was uh, I can't think what that one was called. Something with a D. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. yeah, but that was very similar to Brian the Brain. In both cases, you had to have a robotic being that comes yeah. and wants to mess with them, mess with the main characters. Brian the Brain is the one where, like, they discovered that John would give his life for Helena, right, sooner than protect. I remember right. that stuck uh, with the, me. The, the two airlocks, and he starts depressurizing. And he gives her his... Who's going to give <clears throat> the button first to save him? Yeah, I haven't seen that yeah. one in 30 years, but, yeah, that's... Yes, sir? The episode where they were communicating with Earth, and then three people could kind of pull back. Oh, yeah. John, Helena, and... Who was the third one that transported back to like? Uh, they go to like medieval times yeah. or something, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And they get the plague, right? Yes. Helena gets the plague, and then she finds a fungus, and yeah, it turns into Outlander. It's awesome. I couldn't figure out why those three. I mean, the commander, his love interest, and. Who was, yeah, was it Sandra or, because I, I get that one confused with the one where they end up as cave people. <laughs> man, they really shot the works on the plots, yeah. didn't they, man? They're like, okay. Oh, they, they, they went out there. But, they, but when they decided they were going to go, <clears throat> some guy in the background goes, I figured they'd go. <laughs> <laughs> See, I always, that's what I always felt like the show needed. If they ever reboot it for modern audiences. Needs and ears. Yes. Oh, yes. absolutely. I, I, I thought the same thing. They, I've been rewatching it. Yeah, they absolutely needed another, like a Tom Zarek who says John Koenig is leading us to disaster. He's, he's refused opportunities to get us back home, yeah. and I'm going to overthrow and have a civil war. Yeah. They yeah. need a freaking civil war on the moon. Because he did stuff. Awesome. He did yeah. stuff we all need, the time where it was like, we need to do this. And John's like, no, let's wait. Okay. Or he would go forward when they needed to wait. So how, how did they, How did he stay in power so long? Well, they, they did have that one guy that was trying to lead the mutiny of yeah, the whole thing of, okay, do we settle this, the, the plant, planet that they may or may not be in that cloud, or do we stay on the moon kind of thing? But, yeah. yeah. They had a several several uh, several moments where yeah, yeah they, they were arguing should we go to this planet or should we stay here? Yeah. War, War Games was part of that. Guardians of Piri, there was there were several. Yeah, there was a bunch of those. Yeah, and it the the 
the structure of it with them being on the moon that they can't steer yeah. gives them time limits on all of those things, which is an interesting thing. It, it was neat how the moon would like slow down and orbit a planet a couple of times, yeah. take about, I don't know, an hour maybe, <laughs> and then it would continue on its way. It's funny how that would always happen. Yeah. Mysterious unknown force. It is. Yeah. Breaks. The mysterious unknown force was breaks, yeah, so among other things. Yeah, that's true. It's it's and actually what accelerated them out in the first place. Mm -hmm. Well, they, always the story was they went through space warps, right? Because not all this was yes. happening between yeah. here and Alpha Centauri. They're yeah. they're going through space warps yeah. and they're jumping. They're, 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 I mean, again, Stargate Universe is, is probably the closest analogy today yeah. in terms of they're just way out there. They're jumping just yeah. like the just like the um, Destiny jumps, jumps, jumps. For the yeah, in, in the comic book. Um, reworking a breakaway there's a, a wormhole involved mm -hmm. so they're sent far away very quickly and this was one of the scientific criticisms was they would be you know crossing the solar system for uh, you know a thousand years, years or decades <laughs> or something In, we've got 16 years to yeah. in EC Tubbs novel Okay. They don't even leave orbit. It's the cool thing is they think they're off across the universe, but actually you find out at the end that what happened was the explosion caused them to vibrate <laughs> at a frequency that sent them into another dimension. Oh, jeez. And so they're having these adventures, and they think they're like far away from Earth, they're in another dimension. And at the end of the story, it stops vibrating, and they're just back at Earth. Oh wow. That was in like uh, That's interesting. The, I, I can't think what it's called, but it's an EC Tub novel from back in the seventies. Yes, sir. But you were saying why he's saying power. Well, I kept thinking was he probably. He, Anything kept any power to me was he had a strong um, relationship with security force. <laughs> <laughs> had all the, all the, the purple sleeves. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. but on the other hand, they didn't have, if anybody did act up, they didn't have no really place to put anybody because they well, didn't really have they, Yeah, they, they, they never showed them having a brig or yeah, something. It, yeah. it, it, they never they did. They yeah. had a real strong military presence <clears throat> as a force, yeah, but they, 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 well, they had to have yeah. some kind of military <laughs> because security stayed awful loyal to him because they had all the... Yeah. Yeah, but Tony just stick him in his apartment like, you yeah. know, yeah. he didn't have a jail. They yeah, stick him in his quarters because they had all the phaser pistols. The they could really both have took over. Remember, Alpha was a garbage dump. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Absolutely, yeah. Well, remember season one especially was riffing off the Apollo idea yeah. and where, where would we be with something... NASA and Apollo like uh, following that through to a moon base. And I think we need to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just figured if you got out of line and you go to the uh, Eagle construction line back in the days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah when they Repairing. blow up every episode, I mean. So there was like a forced labor yeah, sweatshop that they were. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was a bunch. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, they they went through quite a few, but yeah. um, and that was such a great design, Brian Johnson. I mean, we got to give yeah. credit that he he wanted something that kind of looked 2001: A Space Odyssey. He wanted something that looked yeah. kind of contemporary, something that could be could be built. But I mean, it's not terribly practical when you really look at the model. 
you're like, okay, it's it's held together by that central unit. If you take that out and it slides without it, the whole the the amount of torque being put on that little narrow yeah. roof would it would just bend. But it's still it's so cool. And those engines were actually way more powerful than just little rocket engines. They got like the multiple. If you look inside of them, they got multiple yeah. little holes in there. There's a lot more going on than it than it first looks like. But it just looks like a hot rod. You know, it looks yeah. like a cross between a hot rod and like an industrial helicopter. And I love that. Yeah, it looks like something that could be that sort of mm-hmm. utility vehicle that could be used for. They a bunch use it for of everything. Things, could, yeah. You know. yeah. Oh, I always wished that they'd had like a squadron of hawks, though, because there were so many times that you know they're threatened by alien menaces, and wouldn't it have been nice to send a few hawks out there instead of just putting a laser-equipped eagle up there with its incredibly slow laser that goes. <laughs> <laughs> the enemy's like dodge. Yeah. <laughs> laser. So, you know, another episode I wanted to mention is um, um, The Last Sunset, where the aliens don't... I like how most aliens let them come and then, like, fight with them or something, or send them mental messages of, you'll all die if you mess with us. These guys said, we'll just give you something nice and you'll leave us alone, right? So they sent the little parachuting robot things down to give them an atmosphere. Yeah. And it lasts just long enough that they'd all die if they'd gone outside of the base, you know? It was kind of a poisoned apple kind of a gift you know i just thought that was really neat though because it was so funny how they're like this is great this is great oh wait a minute our base is at the bottom of a crater if it rains it's going to be underwater (laughs) so that kind of sucked but yeah so and also wait until they got out of range where they could go visit the planet yeah and then they all pack up and leave and like well here there we go that's so much for that 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 magic force again they're like you're going to go into orbit so we'll give you air you stay there yeah oh wait you're not going to go into orbit we'll we, we want our little robots back for the next moon that comes along that we don't want yeah because this happens you know all right what else are the questions episodes you mentioned guardians appearing yeah and just re-watching it for the first With Maya. time 30 years from the blu-ray Catherine Schell was in it, and I yes. never realized yep. that. Mm-hmm. She had so been... Like Brian Blessed, she yep. They did that several times. She was coming off a few years earlier on Her Majesty's Secret Service as right. one of the uh, Angels of Death with James Bond. That's on, right. At, yeah. at, at Piz Gloria, yeah. yeah. And um, she was quite the star then. They were lucky to get her for season two, but, um, yeah, you know. Yeah, the, the um, uh, British tradition for, uh, for drama, having actors show up in different roles mm. was something that you did and it goes back to uh, you know the UK having this incredibly strong tradition of live theater and part of that was rep companies repertory theater where you would have the same group of actors putting on a new play every week or every two weeks and it sort of trained people to accept very easily Oh, this is a completely different character that just happens to be the same, uh, the same actor. I'm constantly uh, pausing and studying every everybody on the show now. They've been in this episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and you know, you had been uh, in the '60s in Doctor Who. They would have one character playing two major roles in the same year. Uh, so you know, it was was just sort of how things uh, how things were done. And I think the idea of, oh, this is the same actor, we have to explain why this person looks the same, that's a more modern idea. Yeah. One other thing I want to mention that uh, John Kenneth Muir in his uh, book about 
Exploring Space 1999, which is a really good book, by the way, a nonfiction book where he just discusses a series. He made this observation that I thought was interesting that Space 1999 was created while Generation X was either being born or had just been born. And so, mm-hmm. is that, I know it's me and, and you, right, to a certain degree. Definitely, yeah. Um, we were watching it as little kids, yeah. seeing ourselves as adults. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The characters we we're watching as little kids are us grown up just a few years in the future playing yeah. around on the moon. And that was pretty cool. It was a yeah. Generation X show from start to finish done by baby boomers. Yeah. Pretty so much. that's a pretty neat observation, I thought. Yeah. And it came along between Star Trek and Star Wars. It points out it's the only original science fiction TV show between um, the old Star Trek and when Star Wars came in. Battlestar Galactica on TV and Star Wars. For space shows. Space show, yeah. That's... Uh, yeah, space shows were were out of style. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, it, um, when Star Wars came out, you know, everything changed, and everyone, you know, you have a whole trail of things coming out after that. But yeah, there wasn't that much in the middle, and uh, I guess UFO would be another one. Yeah. That's but true. yeah, there just wasn't that much. And it's not a. Uh, let me ask you this: Is it an optimistic or pessimistic show? Because, like. And, and I mean that in the sense of maybe they're looking forward to a future where things are better, but during the show itself, things are pretty bad. Like, the, the two shows that I always compare it to are the original Battlestar Galactica and Stargate Universe. Because in all those cases, you have people kind of trapped in space trying to go somewhere and not entirely in control of where they're going or what's happening to them along the way. You know, in Star Trek, they'd get a mission and they'd be totally in command. We're going to go and kick butt and do this. But on those three shows, you're kind of like, there's always that sense of fear of of unknown, of what could happen to us now, and nobody will ever know, you know. And they're they're not not there by choice. And Yeah, and you you can't go home. Star Trek, they they were there by choice. This is what they were doing. That's right. But, yeah, this was was not what they had signed up for. I think we want to hear from you. Um, so, uh, Space 1999 is like 1976, or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. 75. 75. So, in 1973, there's a Canadian show called Star Loss. Yes, oh, that's true. That show, <laughs> that show is legitimately fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Our mission in space, um, huge dome spheres, spaceship tumbling out of control. Yeah. Was that the one Harlan Ellison the Harlan Ellison in? created yeah. that one, yeah. yeah. <coughs> uh, it's a generation ship and they've been on it so long they don't remember that it's a ship they're all self-contained environments. Right. Command is gone. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We got these people that are traveling from pod to pod trying to find. The well, that's an yeah. That's another space. It's like that's going to a different planet every time you go. What was it yeah. called? There, there were a few things in that gap for sure, but in terms of popularity and pop culture and ratings of how many. Yeah. Thing, you know how many people were actually watch, watching things yeah. in terms of being you know big budget productions and things like that there just wasn't there just wasn't that much I'm sure and, that's the reason that it went into TV films yeah because it, uh, it was spun down from big big budget yeah. series mm. into self-contained hour and a half movies by the end of it mm. but yeah it's uh, 
That's cool. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. What was the what was the 1999 episode where they had the generation ship? It was the Joan Collins episode, and yeah. they they they'd had a was that the Darians mission of the Darians mission of the Darians. Thank you, James. Yeah, mission of the Darians. Yeah. yeah, they'd had a disaster, and the 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 crew and passenger people had devolved into into like barbarism, and they had mutants. And the the command crew was still up at the front of the ship, acting like gods. It was almost like a Larry, Niv- like a, a Roger yeah. Zelazny, like Lord of Light situation, where you had the yeah, the yeah. crew were ruling and the others are down in yeah. barbarism. And um, and uh, Koenig and the crew find out and basically force them to get back together again. Yeah. Yeah. The the Orville did a really good generation ship yeah. episode in season one. Do you know how long the star? How many episodes the Star Lost got? It couldn't have been that many. There's a whole first season. You can buy the box set with all of the stuff. It's like seven DVDs, and you can mm. get it for ten bucks off the Amazon because nobody wants it. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I, I got the feeling that there weren't that many because I, I had read what Harlan had written about it. And he wasn't very. They took it, kind of took it away from. Kind of, yeah. Like you know what? He was never done anything. Oh, yeah. But they. Uh, if you ever read the introduction that Harlan Ellison wrote in the Doctor Who novels of the 70s, it's everything else is crap. Amen. Period. That was his basically it. So, but uh, yeah. about a lot of stuff. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Hey, Harlan did pick up one of my books at Archon a couple of years before he died, and he looked at it and kind of went hmm and set it back down, and I went oh right. So you know he didn't hate everything, and he he did a he wrote a graphic novel. Um, kind of the, for the first episode of the Star Lost, that's that's really good. Um, not to get off. Any the other? Well, I can say we got. Let's see, we got about seven minutes left, as far as I can tell. So, any other? Yes, sir. Um, well, you mentioned uh, a couple different things with the, uh, the moon base, and it's fun if you go through some of the rest of the Anderson properties because yep. UFO and Captain Scarlet both mentioned. Based on the moon, moon base or moon yep. base alpha at some point. Right. You know, yes. it's, it would have been fun if he had tied that together a little bit more, but unfortunately, Anderson was Anderson and never quite finished anything he started. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that was usually not by choice. That yeah. was usually blue uh, grade and uh, and others from ITC and the companies behind it. Coming down and say and saying, "Look, this was uh, a great show. Now let's do something new." And uh, yeah, there was rarely uh, a second. Se- it was unusual for Space 1999 to get a second season at all. Yeah, yeah. Never made it past two. Even the new Captain Scarlet they did a few years ago. Yeah. Two seasons. This is going great. Everything's fantastic. Dead. Yeah. You know, just as the storyline is really starting to get into some proper arcs and discontinuity. One of the other things they had to do to change, but when they go from season one to season two, they needed to save money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I don't understand why they need to save money so they redid all the costumes. Well, I mean, if you've yeah. got the costumes and you're trying to save money, just leave them alone. But they added right. the jackets and they added the <coughs> stitching. If you'll notice, they put like stitching here and here and all that. But aside from that, um, they moved out of main mission into command yeah. center, which was a terrible, terrible blow to the show. I thought yeah. because they every the, the the photography people hated filming in main mission because it's yeah. this big open white box, right? And they had to it took them hours to set all the lights up to film in there, and so it was enormously expensive. Yeah, and they just put them in a much smaller, like a little elementary school classroom, basically with little desks, and that was really easy to film, but it looks 
terrible by yeah. comparison. So I was disappointed by that. But they, they came up with some kind of an excuse like, well, didn't like something like a, a meteor hit main mission or something, and they had to relocate to the auxiliary <laughs> command center or something. So, yeah. But they did get the main laser, which was kind of cool. You had this thing that would go rise up and could shoot stuff that was not a season one thing right? a big yeah, giant yeah. laser gun at the base was not a season one thing right that was that, a, that never did anything it never uh, <laughs> but they could raise it and it looked cool man yeah and they had to they didn't have like little tanks laser tanks in second season two think so. yeah. it became a military sci-fi show in a big way in that second season yeah first season they're still like talking to the space gods second season yeah. they got guns and stuff man yeah. Yeah. No kidding. I love all the little stuff too. I mean, for all this, you know, you can complain about the science, but like when they, everything looks functional. It looks like it real. The spacesuits look like real spacesuits. The eagles look like they could, you know, fly to the moon today. And when when they're walking outside too in the suits, they, they kind of got that low, and everything's that very slow motion. The little buggies. Yeah. 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 Well, I, yeah, I think they were conceived as being like out of atmosphere. Uh, you know, constructed in space kinds of uh, crap. It would have been perfect if they'd been if we'd had a scene where they'd had the com lock and somebody was like, "I'm on Facebook, just a minute, type it." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we've prophetic. <laughs> people walking around. Yeah, everybody with their com yeah, locks yeah. walking around running into yeah. the. That would have been yeah. If they'd been walking around the com lock, whatever they were doing, they got this little screen and they're just walking around with that and running into each other. I wonder how they put people on the little screens though. There was no cable connected to the yeah. com lock or anything. No, they had it like run up their sleeves. They, oh, okay. That's why they'd always be standing still when they're on the com on their talking gotcha. to somebody. They'd be like this. I wondered about yeah. that. I was yeah. like, man, that is they had freaking a little cool. Tiny screen and they ran it down the arm. Yeah. yeah. I can give you slight input on that because that's actually. Uh, so part of my background when I was a tech writer is the inch and a half screen was the smallest screen they could actually produce on at the time. And so a lot of that was done forced perspective to, to look different. Mm. That's why you usually just had kind of a background shot. It was always that same yeah. looking right down on the screen. Yeah. And then it required uh, direct feed and live playback in order for them to be interactive with it. So it was always done with cutaway shots. Yeah, so right. You, the, the person on the receiving end is supposed to be holding this thing up like here to get that perfectly free yeah. shot of yeah. them. And it's always so against a... And, holding it down low. Yeah, and it's always against a plain background. You yeah. never saw yeah. like people yeah. walking around behind them yeah. when they're on it. Well, it's trees. You can see the trees in that. Oh, okay, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. How did that yeah. Happen? Yeah, they got a lot high-powered transmissions that episode yeah. than they normally yeah. have. It usually didn't work outside of the base, really. So that's true. Any last thoughts? I got like a minute, minute or so left. Any last Space 1999 observations or questions? I'll just say this: the reason they don't have the brig is because you can program the com locks to lock people out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, just don't lose your con lock. They're not glued to your hand like in Babylon 5, so you... What would everybody like to see from a reboot? I would like to see it. I would love a reboot. I would too. The original look of the show. Yes, well, yeah. That is something they just cannot do with these reboots. I want to yeah. know what the hell yeah. stands there for. <laughs> I want a reason. 
Well, it goes all the way up to the collar. You just you put it on. That's how you You're put sure it on. Sideways? Yeah, no, it does. It, it, you, it actually has helped doing that. It actually zipped all the way up to the top of the collar, and you zip it all the way down from there to the bottom. Yeah. It, like you're putting on a stuffed animal, you need more room to get it on. You know, <laughs> I don't know. That's true. I, I, the stories I wouldn't mind seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can't have the moon blowing away from the Earth, but you could have them cut off some other way. Maybe yeah. some kind of environmental disaster on Earth. Or, like you said, a black hole. Or yeah. do it like I did on Alpha Centauri, so they're just far enough away that they're not. That's true. You know, but that's they're true. still. That's what I did. And, I just and, moved the whole thing there. And I want to see mutineers. I want a, I want a fifth column. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tom Zarek. Yeah. If they want to, they could also do it on Mars. There's a lot of talk. Like the last two years about colonizing yeah. Mars. Yeah. That's yeah. true too. If you did right now, that would fit right into that same conversation. Right. I thought about Mars and I decided I wanted an atmosphere. So they actually have a base. There is an atmosphere. So they can their right. their their vehicles fly around in in vectored thrust in the air and then change to rockets when they get out of the atmosphere. Yeah, that's interesting. But a city like like so in Battlestar, like on Babylon Five. Mm-hmm. Where you have a tight city like a the Mars Dome, size, yeah, can give you a little more drama. That's like, true. Like you said, you put after here, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. So, are we out of? Uh, oh, what? If they, were, if they were going to have a reboot, have a little bit of a delay before the moon is catapult away from the earth and yeah. show some of the effects of what's happening on earth yeah yeah oh yeah exactly yeah, yeah. There, yeah. there is a comic book called aftershock and all that's that's gaska andrew gaska yeah yeah, yeah. and that uh, a lot of i think one of the two is either at, it's aftershock i guess is the part of it that deals with what happened on earth afterwards and the yeah. environmental dis- uh, disasters People asking it's the pretty question, good. what happened to, to Alpha and so on. Can, can we have repeat done in Canada so for Mike the, the, the only thing about uh, the only thing about after shocking all that I didn't like as much was that they they're flying eagles around on Earth too, and it just looks funny oh, as they're like yeah. commercial transports on Earth yeah. as eagles. Those need to be that's like flying a big double propellered helicopter around Atlanta to carry you yeah. like a taxi. That just yeah. doesn't work for me. But other than that, it's really good. Um, doesn't ITV uh, USA have a reboot in progress at the moment, uh, Space 2099? Well, there's been talk that, about it for that, years, but... Yeah. I believe that fell through a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, there, right. there, there, there was talk about something in about 2015 or 16, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that did they fall through. They showed what they were changing. We're out of time. All right. Thank you all so much for coming. Thank you. And watching the walls fall down. Remember to rate us five stars on the app. They really appreciate that. And again, if you're interested in Alpha Omega, come to All right, gang. We'll see you. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.